little bit about stress today. We're beginning a brand new series called Face the Music, and uh, we're talking about, we're using songs that are popular from today and yesterday uh, over the next couple of weeks, and talking about some really relevant issues to our life and the, and the things that are happening in our life. And one of the things that I know is that people deal with stress. Anybody been stressed in their life? Anybody? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Quite a few people. Okay, quite a few of us. We're all in the same boat. We've all dealt with some stress. And, you know, the reality is, is that stress levels, the latest Harris poll shows that stress levels in America are at their highest ever. They say that one third of Americans are continuously living under undue stress. Like that stress is never leaving them. In fact, Within that poll, they, they, they started talking to mothers, and they said that 80% of moms out there are dealing with even greater levels of stress, and on top of that, 72% of those 80% of moms are sleep-deprived. So you take a sleep-deprived mom and a stressed-out mom, and, and that right there is a, is a recipe for disaster. And so the truth is, is that stress is something that is, is a part of our lives today because of our world and all the things that are throwing at us. And so what I know is that people are looking for ways, how do I relieve stress? Like what is the antidote to stress in my life? Because none of us wants to be stressed out. None of us wants to be living with this uh, unbelievable amount of anxiety. But this is what I know. There are some triggers that cause stress in our life. And and maybe you've experienced some of these triggers, but I, I think a lot of us are living our lives a lot like Job 9, 25. And what it says is that my days go by faster. Like every day my day is going by faster than a runner. They fly away without my seeing any joy. Anybody ever felt like that? Like your day just keeps running and running and running. You're like, man, is this day ever going to stop? Is it ever going to slow down? And as it keeps going in, like the joy that you started off with in the morning, like I'm going to go take this day. I'm going to dominate this day. By the end of that day, it's like it's zapped out of you. And you're like, oh, this day's killing me. And a lot of us live that way because some of these stressors become so prevalent in our lives. And some of the things that cause us to stress out If you're taking notes, the first one there, that first fill in the blank for you is that a lot of us are living with no margin. We're living with no margin. It means we don't have any any extra space in our life, particularly in a couple areas. A lot of us are living with no margin when it comes to finances. Like, and we're we're living paycheck to paycheck. In fact, uh, the latest stats that just came out says the average American is living on 117% of their income. That right there will stress you out. When you're spending 17% more than you're making every year, that's going to cause some undue stress, some undue pressure on your life. And because of that, we're worrying more. We're trying to do more stuff. We're trying to accomplish more things. And what happens is, is when something good happens in our life, we get a raise or we get a bonus because we're in this mentality of I got to have more, I got to spend more, I got to achieve more, I got to keep up with the Joneses. We don't think like, oh, I should put that away in savings or I should pay off some of my debt. We think, what's the next vacation I can take? Where's the next place I can go? Oh, I can finally buy that car or have those clothes or those shoes. And what ends up happening is it ends up just compounding the stress in our life. In fact, uh, this same poll said that 75% of 18 to 35-year-olds are living with extreme stress more than previous generations. Why is that? Well, I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons, but a lot of it has to do with we think that we should have achieved 
our parents' success at 18 that it took them 50 to achieve. And so it just compounds because we have no margin in our lives. Another area where we don't have any margin has to do with our schedule. We're saying yes to a lot more things than we're saying no to today. We're packing it in all the things that we can in our lives. We're adding things, we're adding things, we're adding things, but we're never subtracting. Have you ever noticed that? Like you're just adding things to your schedule, but never are you saying, you know what? I need to eliminate some things to my schedule. And, and one in three Americans says, I'm rushed all the time. And I think the reason we're so rushed is because of FOMO. Anybody know what FOMO means? Okay, I'm talking to the wrong crowd. FOMO means fear of missing out. The reason why we're saying yes to everything is because we have this fear of missing out on something. It's like, man, I, I, gotta, I gotta be everywhere all the time because I don't wanna miss out on what might happen in life. It's a problem that a lot of parents are facing. They, they grew up and they didn't have opportunities and now they're looking at their kids and they're saying, I want my kid to have every opportunity I didn't have. And so they got them playing two sports, got them involved in a school play. They're running from here to there to everywhere. And they've got their kids in a lot of activity, but it, with all the activity, their kids are living, learning no commitment because they can't be committed to any of it because they're trying to achieve all of it because they're afraid that they might miss out on something. And all of this running around just absolutely destroys relationships. This is what I've discovered in my life is that you at Mach 2 cannot have healthy relationships. Nobody running at that pace and at that speed and with that packed out of a schedule can have enduring, healthy relationships. The truth is, is, is it's too much and all of that stuff is not going to fit into your life, no matter how much all the scheduling planners tell you it will be. Because while all of those things might be doable in your life, they are not sustainable for your life. And that's what the problem that a lot of us have found ourselves in. We're doing so much and we think that, man, I can do this. And you have built an unsustainable pace in your life that is going to cause you to crash and burn. It's going to cause you to stress out, be overwhelmed, and be filled with anxiety. It's why it's causing sleepless nights and arguments within your household. And so what we fail to realize is that by having no margin, it's creating stress in our life. Another area that causes stress in our life is this area called sin. Everybody say sin. Okay, that wasn't everybody. Everybody say sin. sin. One more time. Say sin. sin. Perfect. Now, we don't talk about sin a lot anymore. It's like kind of this negative word. Uh, but I think that sin is actually something that we need to talk a lot more about. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about sin. And sin has some major uh, destructive things to it when it comes to our stress levels. In fact, in Psalms 32, it says this, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. In this verse right here, this is an example of what happens for Christ followers when we experience forgiveness. What it's saying is, is when we experience forgiveness, there is a joy that overwhelms our life. There is a peace that comes into our life. And when we don't have forgiveness, when we miss out on that, 
what happens is all the joy gets sucked out of our lives. And in fact, it's saying, like, listen, as Christ followers, because we're reducing this sin stress in our life, man, we should be exuding more joy than other people. See, because it goes on to say, when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. My strength evaporated like water in summer heat. And this is what I know is that when we get stressed out, man, our strength evaporates away. It's like going outside right now. It's like 482 degrees. Like it will not take you long before that energy that you have, man, is just worn out by the sun. Why? Because you're carrying something you were never supposed to carry. You were never supposed to be living out there under those harsh conditions. And what happens for a lot of us is we live this sin-filled life, and we were never designed to live under those parameters. That's not how God designed us, and that's exactly why God sent Jesus to come into our lives so we can experience forgiveness, so we wouldn't have to carry the weight of sin and guilt and shame in our life. In fact, David actually wrote this psalm right here, and David is the second king of the children of Israel, and he was considered a man after God's own heart, and he's writing this to give us some clarity about sin in our life, like how do we deal with this, and this is what he says in verse 5, continuing on that thought, he says, finally, I confessed all of my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. David says, like, listen, we don't have to live this stress-filled life that's overwhelming us and burdening us. All we have to do is go before God, and he'll take all of these things away. But what we fail to realize is we think, man, I'm just going to hold on to this. It's not that big of a deal. It's not really impacting people. And what we fail to realize is, like, articles like the BBC come out and say, hey, when you're living with undue guilt in your life or you're living with unforgiveness in your life, there are major health hazards that come along with that. In fact, they said people that live with guilt and unforgiveness in their life from, from past issues have a lower immune system. They're more susceptible to diseases. They're more susceptible to colds. They're more susceptible to, to getting the flu. They're, like There's this susceptibility that happens in their life because they were never designed to carry guilt and shame and unforgiveness in their life. And so what we find is that when we try to carry that, it becomes this burden that overwhelms us and stresses us out. And a lot of us think that sin is just doing evil stuff. And, and yes, sin, one aspect of sin is doing evil stuff. But there are multiple kinds of sin that are out there. In fact, there's two in particular the Bible talks about. There's the sin of commission. The things that we do, I lie, I cheat, I steal, I murder, I, I commit adultery. Those are sins of commission. Those are things that I made a choice to go do that caused harm to someone else or worse to myself. Then on the flip side of that, there's a secondary sin called sin of omission. And that literally means that there are things that we know that we're supposed to do. Like, I'm supposed to go tell that person about Jesus, but we choose not to. I'm supposed to uh, uh, be living in community, but I don't feel like it. And we, so we sit back, and those sins happen in our life, and they carry a burden with it as well. And, and some scholars say that this letter that David wrote was actually in a season uh, if you were to go back and look at 2 Samuel chapter 11, that David was in this place, and this wasn't about a sin of commission, something he did. This was about a sin of omission, something that he, he chose to not do what he knew, knew he needed to do. And, and this is 
uh, time in that Second Samuel chapter 11, it says, uh, in the very beginning, it says, at the time when kings went to battle, David stayed home. And it says, like, there are things that a lot of us were choosing not to do that are causing all this guilt and all this sin and all this shame to come into our lives because we're choosing not to do what's right. And God says, man, we need to unload that stuff because we were never meant to carry it. And so we have, we, have, we don't have margin in life. We, we're, we have sin happening. One of the, the biggest things that causes a lot of stress in our life is pain. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in pain, Nothing else matters. Nobody else matters. All that matters is, is that I solve my pain. Like it becomes the focus of my life. And when you're in pain, like it will wear you out because that is your everything. That is your all in all. That is your ultimate in life. And it will mess some things up. In fact, this week, I, I learned this firsthand. We were, uh, Shayla and I were scheduled to be in Dallas on a, on a trip. Uh, at a conference, and so on Tuesday morning, we left to fly to Dallas. We got in uh, about two o'clock in the afternoon, and we had some uh, a friend of ours staying at our house. We just recently got a brand new puppy, and uh, this puppy's name is Preacher. He's a great Dane. We, we believe in going big for dogs, or you go home, and so we just got this dog, and, and Shayla, like this dog has become our kid. Like, and I don't know if you've, if parents, you've left home for the first time and left your kid with somebody else, but you want to check in on your kid all the time. So Shayla's calling back home, like, hey, how is Preacher doing? That's his name. Is Preacher doing okay? Has he ate yet? Did he play? Did you play with him? Is he out? Did he go outside and go pee pee? Did he go potty? You know, has he done all those things? She's checking in on everything about Preacher every hour on the hour. It's a little overwhelming for me. I'm like, babe, it's a dog. Like, he sleeps. He eats, he plays, and he poops. That's all he does, okay? So, like, he doesn't have an exciting life. You can call tomorrow, and he'll be fine. And so she's kind of stressing out about it. And the lady that's watching our dog calls her up about 5 o'clock. We're getting ready to go to this dinner that we are scheduled to be at with all these other pastors. And she goes, oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe it. I was outside in your backyard, and I was walking by some of Preacher's poop, and it was moving. Preacher has worms. And you would have thought Shayla lost her mind mind like she became an insane she's like oh my gosh my dog is gonna die like what's wrong he's gonna worse he's not gonna be alive and like going on and on on like she is stressing out to the max because she is in so much pain for her dog and and all of our conversation is like what is he gonna, is he gonna be okay is he like that's how what it sounds like to me don't don't feel bad for her i didn't feel bad for her and finally, I, I got to like this level here. You, you, anybody ever been to like this level here where you're just like, if I hear about the dog and his poop one more time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose it. Like I was starting to get stressed out. And finally, I just looked at her and I'm like, well, then just go home. And she's like, okay. And, and so like we booked her flight. We were on Southwest, no change fees. And so she got on flight. Next night, she went home. Like she's calling me. She's texting me pictures all the time. As soon as she got home, she had to go to the vet to check out our dog to make sure it's going to live. Not that dogs don't get worms. I mean, God forbid. And, uh, and so she goes to the doctor. We get back the report. The dog doesn't even have worms. It was like ants crawling in the poop having a second meal off of his meal. And, and so like, I know, TMI, but I just had to say it. Just too much information, TMI, just FYI. Um, this is what I've realized, is a lot of times we get stressed out about things that don't even matter. And we're in pain about things that we can't even control. 
when you're in pain in those moments, like what you need to do is you need to separate yourself from that, that situation and look at it from a different perspective. But when we're in pain, we, we just make illogical choices. And we allow ourselves to get worked into a frenzy that just overwhelms the situation that we're in. Another trigger is busyness without purpose. And I think that this is probably the worst causer of stress in our life is this busyness without purpose because we live with a mentality today that we think more is better. We think if I have $1, that's good, but $2, what's that? That's better. You know, if I have one Krispy Kreme donuts, that's, that's good, but if I have a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, that's better. We think that if I have one car, that's good, but if I have two cars, that's better. We think if I, if I have one wife, that's good, but if I have two wives, that's, that ain't better. I'm just going to tell you that right now. And the reality is, is that we always think more is better. But check out some stats that are out there right now. You're going to eat out about 14,411 times in your lifetime as an American. And 20% of those are going to be at a fast food restaurant. So you're probably going to eat about 2,800 Big Macs at McDonald's. More ain't better right there. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You're going to spend about 13 years and four months watching TV over your lifetime. You're going to spend five years waiting in lines. You're going to spend one year looking for things you've lost. For some of y'all, it's going to be two or three because y'all are going to lose a lot of stuff. You're going to attend 35 weddings in your lifetime, and hopefully they're not all yours. You're going to drive about 627,000 miles, or in other words, 25 times around the circumference of the earth. I just saw a brand new study that says the, the current generation that's working right now is going to work about 181 more hours a year than previous generations. In other words, they're going to work an additional month every year within that 12 months. See, and Isaiah talked about this very thing. He said, I've labored to no purpose. I've spent my strength in vain and for nothing. See, we have plenty of time it's just going towards the wrong things in life. And so I want to ask this question. Why are we so busy? Why are we so busy in life? And I would submit to you the reason we're so busy is because we don't really know what we were created for. And when you don't know what you're created for, what happens is, is you just produce a lot of activity that has no lasting purpose in life. And I would tell you today that it's better to have less of what doesn't matter so we could have more of what matters in life. So in order for us to do more of what matters in life, I've got to start believing that it's okay to have less in my life. 
And that's a mindset change that a lot of us is going to be difficult to make. And here's what I know is a lot of people, they just go, hey, TJ, just give me the, just give me the one, two, three step to get rid of, of stress. And, and listen, there aren't one, two, three steps to get, get rid of stress. There isn't an, isn't an antidote to, to the stress in your life. What there is and what you can do is you can start to change your belief system. And when you start changing your belief system, what will happen is that will start changing your behavior. When you start changing your behavior about what you believe about money, when you start changing your behavior about what you believe about time management, when you start changing your behavior about what you think about your calendar, when you start changing your behavior about your thoughts, that'll determine whether you overcome stress or are overcome by stress. And I believe that Jesus gave us the best example of how to handle stress, and it's found in Matthew chapter 14. If you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, uh, in Matthew chapter 14 is one of the most famous stories that, of Jesus' miracles. It was the turning of the, the five loaves and two fish, feeding of 5,000 people. It's actually more like 20,000 people because it was 5,000 men. And so Jesus does this incredible miracle of feeding all of these people. But what most people miss is the prequel to that story, the, like the pre-story to the story. And so what's happening if you were to go before that story, is, is that Jesus' cousin is a guy named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is a forerunner. He's going and telling people, prepare the way because God is coming. You better get your hearts right. You better get your life right. And uh, the governor over that area uh, is a guy named Herod. And Herod is ruling over the people there, the Israelite people and all the Romans. And uh, Herod sees his brother's wife and is like, dang, that girl is hot. And uh, he goes and he takes his brother's wife as his own wife. Now, like last time I checked, that ain't cool. And that's not right. And John the Baptist being the stand-up guy that he is, a righteous guy, he goes and confronts Herod. Now, Herod's new wife that he just married doesn't like that. He, she is not happy that John the Baptist is getting up in her business. And so she comes up with this concoction to get John the Baptist arrested. And so John the Baptist is in prison, and uh, Herod is throwing a party. And at this party, it is getting lit like it is the ultimate party of parties. People are dancing. People are having a good time. And Herod's new wife has her daughter go out and dance for Herod. And, like, everybody is drunk at this party, and this girl goes out, and she puts on a show. I mean, they're, like, overwhelmed by her dancing. And when she gets finished dancing, Herod goes, listen, that was such an amazing dance that I will give you anything that you want. Like, that must have been a legit dance right there. That's all I got to say. And so she confers with her mom, and because her mom has this, this beef with John the Baptist, she goes, man, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. Now, now, Herod doesn't want to do this because John the Baptist is beloved by people. Like, people respect him. He's a prophet. He's considered a prophet among the Israelites. But he made a promise, and now he's got to deliver on it. And so he goes, and he murders John the Baptist, brings his platter on his head. And what is happening right before the feeding of the 5,000 is, is that Jesus just heard that John the Baptist, who is his cousin, his family has just been murdered. He's been beheaded. You want to talk about a bad day. You want to talk about some emotional pain in life. And this would be a, a situation where 
Jesus was fully human just like us and fully God. He experienced the same emotions that we experience. And I can just see and I can just imagine that Jesus was just distraught by this. And this is where we're going to pick up the story. So Jesus has just learned this. He's overwhelmed by it. And this is what it says in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 14. It says, when Jesus heard had, uh, what had happened, he heard this news. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. That word withdrew there literally means to give place. He, he, he decided, man, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to give place to what's most important in life. Now, this was not meaning he was running away from his problems, that he was, not trying, he was not trying to avoid the inevitable in life, which is what a lot of us do when we're stressed out. We try to run away from our situation. We try to run away from our problem. Man, I'm just going to withdraw. I'm going to ignore it. And if I ignore it long enough, like, it's going to go away. But how many of y'all know, no matter how long you ignore your problem, it's still lurking right there. It's still right there waiting on you. And so Jesus is literally withdrawing. And what he's doing is he's taking time to pray. You see this all throughout scripture that Jesus would take time. He would back away from situations and he would go and seek the heart of God. And so Jesus is giving us some tools, some, some, some principles for us to apply to our life. If we're going to change our mindset, the way that we change our mindset is we stay connected to God. We have got to stay connected to God. If you don't spend time with the one who knows you and created you, how are you ever going to figure out how you were made and what you're supposed to do with all this stuff inside? And see, what God wants for us is he wants us to go and connect with him so we can download the, the cares of this world, the difficulties of life, and go, God, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm stressed about. Here's what I'm overwhelmed by. Here's what's frustrating me. And I'm going to bring those things to you, God, and I'm going to lay them at your feet. And what God wants to do is he goes, man, I want to pick up those burdens for you. I want to carry those things. And for some of us, what we need to understand today is we don't need to carry that thing. We need to stop putting our attention or our focus on all of our problems, all of our situations, all of our overwhelming circumstances. And we need to shift our attention to God and get connected with him. And as we connect with him, he's going to start to lift those burdens off of our life. And I know that this is true for me because one of the benefits of Shayla freaking out this week in Dallas is that she left and I was all by myself. And what that gave me time to do is I'm an early riser. I've said this before. I love the morning. My wife is not a morning person. Like, I wake up, and I'm happy. I'm ready to tackle the day. Like, I'm, like, joyous. Give me a cup of coffee and some Jesus, man, and I will kill some tasks for the day. And so I woke up, and Shayla wasn't there. I wasn't interested in the TV. I wasn't interested in the Internet. I wasn't interested in all those things. And all I want to do is I want to spend some time with God. You know why? Because I get stressed out just like you. I get overwhelmed just like you. I get burdened by life all the time. And honestly, I, I needed some time where I could download to God what was going on in my life. And I could seek him to try to get some clarity on things that were pretty cloudy to me. And you know what God does in those moments? He shows up. See, Proverbs 9, verse 10 says, knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. 
See, so many of us, we're trying to figure out, like, how do I rid myself of this stress? How do I deal with this? And how do I con- compound this and this and this and this and this and this? And we're trying to figure that all out on our own, and we have no idea how to understand those situations. And God's saying, listen, if you'll seek me, like, I'll give you understanding for those situations. And I'll help take you through. Because you need to connect to the one who created you and understands you. And some of us, we've done that. We've, we've done that from the fact that we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We said, God, I want you to come into my heart and I want you to come into my life. And you know where eternity is for you. You know where you're gonna end up at the end of the day. But what I found is that nine out of 10 Christ followers, they've never figured out what their life is supposed to look like between now and eternity. Like what the intentionality of their life is. And so what God is trying to get us to do when we connect with him is he's also trying to get us to realize that we have a purpose and we start to change our mindset of like, man, I'm not just aimlessly going through life, but I've got a purpose in life. It'll help you from being tired and stressed out. It will give you some encouragement. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, it says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke, And I would submit to you that he could also say, take my purpose upon you and learn from me. And you will find rest for your souls. You want to know how you find rest for your souls? You take on God's purpose for you. He says, for my yoke, or he's saying, my purpose is easy and my burden is light. And I know some of you, you're stressed out and you're worn out and you're thinking, man, you know what I need right now, Pastor DJ? More than anything, I just need a nap. Like, I need some rest, and I would, I would tell you, no, that's not what you need. What you need is a purpose, because here's the thing. When you have a lot going on, and you have purpose, it doesn't overwhelm you because you know where you're going, but when you've got a lot going on, and you don't have any idea where you're going, those are the moments that overwhelm you, and stress-free living comes from knowing I've got a purpose, and I'm going to give myself to it no matter what life hurls my way, no matter what my spouse hurls my way, no matter what my boss hurls my way, no matter what this world hurls my way, because I know where God is taking me. I know what God wants me to do. That's why in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 14, Jesus says this. He says, when Jesus landed, he's out on that boat. He got away. And as soon as he comes ashore, it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus was moved with compassion. Why? Because he had a passion for people. He knew what his purpose was. His purpose was to seek and to save those that were lost. And so in spite of what was happening all around him, he he got into this moment and he saw God and all of a sudden he goes, man, I've got a purpose here. And no matter what my circumstances are, they could be stressing me out, but I'll see people and God has called me to people, man, and I'm moving forward on that. And passion keeps you moving in life. And you and I, we've got to figure out what that passion is God has given us so we can have compassion to move forward in life because then you won't live a stressed out life. See, a stressed out life is this busyness without purpose. And anytime you have busyness without purpose, that is a recipe for disaster in your life. But busyness with purpose will always lead you to fulfillment in life. And some of us, we're living these unfulfilled lives, and God is going, man, you want to be fulfilled. Figure out what I've called you to. 
Because God has called you to something. In fact, in Psalms 139, it says, your eyes saw my unformed body. In essence, he's saying, before you were even made, like God knew you. God knew you. And he says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came. So in other words, God's saying, listen, God's got ordained you for something. And he's saying, listen, I've got a plan for your life. I've got a purpose for your life. I laid my hand upon you. I set you apart. I gave you a task that only you can do and only you can accomplish. And I made it special. And once you realize it and you begin to understand it, your life will never, ever be the same. You won't be living stressed out. You'll be living fulfilled in your life. In essence, what God is trying to get through to us is he's, he's saying, listen, it's better to get the right things done, not more things done. And if you'll start focusing on the right things, you won't be focused on getting more things. You'll be focused on the thing that I have called you to. And you'll start to live with intentionality. And when you're living on purpose, you'll stop measuring your life by what you can achieve and start measuring it by how you're fulfilling the destiny that God has given to you. It's one of the reasons why we're passionate at Coastal about you discovering your purpose and, and you going to classes like DNA and our Discovery Seminar where we, we help you figure out how God created you and how God made you and the passions he's given you and how you can utilize those things for his glory in life. It's not so that we can just give you more information. It's so that you can discover your purpose so you're not living this stress-free life so that you can know exactly how God designed you. When you start living with that intentionality, it changes everything. In fact, it reminds me of the Summer Olympics. I love the Summer Olympics. I particularly love the swimming competition. Anybody enjoy watching the swimming of this past Summer Olympics? Anybody like Michael Phelps out there? I'm a huge Michael Phelps fan. I think that dude is ridiculous and amazing. One of my favorite moments in the Olympics is, is in the previous Olympics, in the 2012 Olympics, uh, Michael Phelps had lost a race to a guy named Chad DeClose. And, uh, and, and like, it was one of the few individual races he's ever lost in his life. And right before this race, uh, Chad, like, Michael Phelps is sitting in this dressing room. And, uh, like, he is focused on this race. And, and Chad is, is in front of Michael Phelps. And he's doing, like, all this boxing stuff. And any of you guys remember this on TV? It was amazing. Like, he's out there. He's shadow boxing. And all you see on Michael Phelps' face is this smirk. Like, I'm going to murder somebody in the water. Like, and, and, like, he's just going back and forth like this. Got this scowl. And they go out into this race and Chad is so focused on Michael Phelps that he misses the point of the race. In fact, there's a picture that looks like this of them swimming mid-water. And you got Michael Phelps here and Michael Phelps' focus is on the prize. He's focused on the finish line of the race. And what Chad is doing is he's focusing on the wrong thing. His race is between himself and the water. It's not between him and Michael. He's got to get as fast as he can to the end. And if you keep your eyes focused on the end, that's where you go. But his eyes aren't focused on the end. His, his eyes are focused on his problem. His problem is Michael Phelps. And the problem is, is he got his eyes on the problem. And Michael kept his eyes on the prize. And Michael kicked his butt. And here's what we need to realize is that when we stay focused in life on our purpose, it takes us to the prize that God called us for from the very beginning. That God ordained from the very beginning. But so many of us, we're getting overwhelmed by our problems and we're keeping our focus on those that we're missing out on the goal and the purpose of life. And we're allowing life to stress us out and overwhelm us in life. 
And so how do you and I keep our eye focused on what matters? Because here's the reality. He got focused on Phelps, and that didn't matter for his race. Michael focused on the prize, on winning, and that's what mattered in that race. So how do you focus on what matters most? How do you know what matters most? And, and I've kind of given myself a little bit of a filter to know what matters most in life. And this is how I evaluate whether things matter, whether I should give a ton of attention to them or not. I basically ask myself this question. Will this matter 100 years from now? Will that guy cutting me off on 95 matter 100 years from now? Then why am I going to stress out about it? Will buying a new pair of shoes this week matter 100 years from now? No. Then why am I giving all my attention focus to that? See, in life, there's really only two things that matter. A lot of us put our focus on things that don't matter, but there's two things at the very core and essence that do matter. One of them is people. People matter. Really one of the most critical aspects of our life are relationships because a lot of things fade but you know what remains? People. People's souls. It matters. As a church and as a community here, we think that it's imperative that relationships are at the center of our lives. Their relationship with God is centered first and foremost, and then relationships going out from that. It's way more important than a lot of things. How do I know that? Because here's the deal. Man, I, I've, I've preached the, the foam off of these walls, which is what's behind these carpet walls, the last five weeks, but probably none of y'all can tell me what those five messages were about. But I guarantee you, you can tell me the 10 people in your life that have impacted you the most negatively or positively. You can name them like that. Why? Because relationships matter. People matter. In fact, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14 says this. You have been given freedom. Not freedom to do wrong. Not freedom to go out and sin. But freedom to love and serve each other says, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love others as you love yourself. See, the focus of your life, the focus of my life, should be to love and serve other people. It's one of the reasons why we named this church Coastal Community Church. Because it's always been about others. It's been about doing life together. And if you don't have the right others in your life, man, you have a great opportunity. We just launched our connect group semester. You can pick up a connect group guide out in a foyer. 
get connected with some people, it will impact your life in a great, great way. The other thing that matters in life is eternity. Eternity matters. Matthew 13, 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man so found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. So the kingdom of heaven is like this treasure that was so valuable, so precious, that people were willing to sacrifice everything to have that field. So my natural question is, is, is what's the field? What's the field? Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I'll tell you what the field is. The field are, is eternal things in your life. It's the things that are going to last beyond this life into the lives that come. It's one of the reasons why we encourage you to, to give more so we can impact more lives for generations to come. It's one of the reasons why we encourage you to serve more because when you start serving other people, you start impacting them at that moment. You never know what that impact is going to reciprocate through generations to come. It's why we encourage you to take out invite cards and invite people because you could change the destiny of a person, but you could also change the destiny of an entire family or generations of a family to come that will far move beyond the sphere of your lifetime. And Jesus says, man, that's, that's the most valuable thing. People should sacrifice everything for that. He also said things like, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust is destroyed. He says there's eternal things, treasures in heaven. It's a quote by Sir Winston Churchill that says, we make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we give. And I think he got that from looking at the life of Jesus. A life is something that lasts, that impacts beyond the scope of the life itself. And as a church, we have an opportunity to do that. You know, back in October, we announced to you that we're one church in, in multiple locations that earlier this year we had purchased 7.29 acres of property in Parkland, Florida and God just miraculously dropped this incredible opportunity before us. We never thought it was even going to be possible. We thought we were just going to be one church in multiple locations doing portable church for the rest of our life but God said, man, I've got a place for you. And so we started off moving towards this immeasurably more building project to build this 16,000 500 square foot facility in Parkland. It's going to cost about $3.2 million. And we said, man, we need to raise $1.2 million of that. And we took up a, a, a miracle offering. And man, you guys gave and gave and gave so generously. Blew my mind. I was so overwhelmed as your pastor because you guys, you guys got something. Do you realize that 
400 years ago, there was only one entity that was around that's still around today. And that was the local church. It's the thing that lasts from generation to generation to generation to generation, from century to century to century. Because it's the one thing that Jesus said that he was going to build. He didn't say he was going to build governments. He didn't say he was going to build countries. He said, I was going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it, which basically means nothing can defeat it. You guys said, man, I want to I live for something that's going to live past me. And you guys gave. And, man, we've been moving forward on that. And, and we're about to finalize uh, the finishing on our planning and zoning. And we're getting ready to move into breaking some ground and starting to do site development on that site. But we're, we, we're asking that on March 12th, we're going to do another immeasurably more miracle offering where we can give to something that lasts beyond our life, that moves beyond our generation. Because here's what I know is that your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids will have an opportunity to have a church that impacts lives and impacts generations. And so on March 12th, we're believing God for another $200,000 to help us move forward on this. And, And... Here's the deal. We've given you some information in your worship, God. There's a card that looks like this and with a scripture on the back of it. And in there, there's an offering envelope. And here's what we'd ask. We're not asking you to give because we don't ask you to give. I just fundamentally, fundamentally don't believe that. I believe that we need to ask God. We need to go to God and just like Jesus got alone and spent time with God, we need to get alone and spend time with God and go, God, how would you want me to be a part of the purpose that you have through my local church, through your church that you're building? And you just listen. And whatever God says, I would just ask that you'd be obedient to that. And so if God says, give nothing, here's exactly what I want you to do. I want you to give nothing. On the flip side of that, if God says, give a million dollars, that's a one with six zeros before the decimal point. Give a million dollars. But here's what I know is that in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, it says, now to him, referring to God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. This is what I know about God. God wants to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine in your life. The problem is, is most of us have never sought him to ask and imagine what he might have for our lives. And when we don't figure that out, man, it just causes us to live with so much stress. And God is saying today, we need to start to, to, to kind of siphon down the noise. We need to start to, to push it down. We need to start to create some margin in our lives. We need to, see, see, to start to eradicate sin and start to suppress and get rid of some painful things in our life and start to realize that there is a purpose and a plan for your life. And as you, as you push down that noise and start to realize that as you seek me and find me, I'll reveal myself to you and I'll start to give you some intentionality and some purpose in your life. And all of a sudden, while there might be chaos all around you, there'll be peace within you because that's who our God is. He is the God of peace that surpasses all understanding. And today, more than anything, what he wants to do is he wants to fill your life with that peace.